Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Good to see each and every one of you. It's great to be back after the holidays and to kind of find, start finding a rhythm. And uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I hope that's true for you. It's It was true for me. I love uh, greeting and as you were singing that first song, it was just neat for me to stand in the back. Not that I was like spying on you, but it was just neat to watch you. And uh, usually I'm up front and see if that, just to see from a different vantage point of your desire to worship our great Lord and to gather together as a body of Christ. What a privilege it is, isn't it? I mean, that we can gather and we can be here and we can worship our God together. We can sing his name and sing his praise. That we have the privilege of opening up his word that he's given us. That we each have copies or you have an electronic device that you can, you know, hit a couple buttons and there it is. Like we, we have it so good. Amen. So good. God has blessed us richly. Before we jump into our new series uh, entitled Joyful Generosity, I want to just take a minute and just bring you up to date on our our Christmas project. Um, this will kind of be the last announcement that you kind of hear from us uh, for this. Our Christmas project 2021 has been uh, Romania and the PAC ministry there. Uh, Marissa, I think there's a slide there if you want to uh, show, throw it up there. And so we've been able, you and, and, and all of us, we've gathered together and our goal was $25,000. And we've so far brought in $21,600, which is absolutely amazing. Praise be to God. Amen. He gets the glory for it. And so, um, again, this is just the last kind of just to inform you, let you know where we are. Our goal is 25. We're at 21.6. If we don't meet that goal, uh, we, we were really, really close. And we praise God for that. But if God would lead you uh, to give in addition, um, we encourage you uh, to give. This is kind of, like I said, our last kind of announcement as we move forward and head into now 2022. So I just want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for giving um, for our, our missionaries there, Andrew and Leah Postema, and for the ministry there and the camp uh, that they have there and the lives that they're reaching in Romania. It, it's really awesome. In addition to that, I want to just pause, and on behalf of all of the pastoral staff and our families, I just would like to say thank you for your generosity for our Christmas gift. Um, it, it is overwhelming um, to, to, to receive that gift and uh, you, I, I feel unworthy, and, and it just is really, really kind of each of you. And so on behalf of Pastor David and Emily and Pastor Ed and Gail and all of our families, we want to, again, just say thank you uh, from the bottom of our hearts and the top of them and the middle of them and the sides of them, um, all of who we are. We just want to say thank you, and I know I speak for each of those men and their families. It really is a joy to be here and to be your pastors and to minister with you. And uh, I look forward to 2022. Um, I've worked really hard in the last week and a half. We've been working and, and, and we'll work hard again, trying to button up some of the things uh, this next week for 2022 and where we're headed and what we want to see God do and what we're praying and asking the Lord to do. 
Um, you'll see it more and more as, as you go throughout the next few weeks. Um, if you don't receive our weekly email, let me encourage you that you would get in touch with uh, one of us as staff members. We would love to get your emails so that you receive that every Friday. Um, we send one out, and this Friday um, I put in there as is kind of my custom for this last year, um, just a family report. We're a family, and as your pastor, I just want to each month, as we start each month, give you kind of a report of where we've been and some of the things that have happened, but also, too, to kind of give you some direction of where we're headed. And so this, uh, this week, I shared uh, with you, hopefully you read it. Um, I won't ask you to raise your hand if you got it and if you read it yet, but I just kind of share with you our theme for the year. And I'll talk more about this next week, but it really stems out of Psalm 1611. And as I have been praying and thinking about what, what do we need, what, what would be most beneficial for us as a church as we lead into this new year, not knowing what's coming, trying not to focus on what has happened in the past. Uh, it's kind of like driving a car, right? You have this big, this big windshield. It's big for a reason. All right, they, they, they want you to be able to see through the whole lens of what is in front of you. And you give, you give like side mirrors so that you can see what's going on beside you. And you have a rear view mirror that is small, but it allows you to see what's going on. And that's kind of how I view life. Uh, use your mirrors, um, but we want to continue to keep moving forward because the truth is, is there are a lot of people who need the hope of Jesus Christ. We have that, and I pray that you have experienced that, that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have placed your faith in him and that he's changed your life. And for those of us who have that hope, uh, we look forward to this new year. And so our theme for the year is living a joyful life based out of Psalm 1611. That in his presence, whose presence? God's presence. In his presence is the fullness of joy. And that's where we can live life. And so all that we want to do this next year in 2022 will be geared around having a joyful life. Because I think that's one of the great things that as we meet with God and as we're with God, that can radiate out of us into a world that needs hope, that needs to see there is something more. They're, they're, they're clamoring, they're desiring for something to fulfill that. And I love what the psalmist says there in Psalm 1611, that in his presence, there is that fullness of joy. And so uh, looking forward to this year. That's why today for these next uh, three weeks, uh, this week and then three more weeks, we will be in a stewardship series entitled Joyful Generosity. Joyful Generosity. This morning we start with this and the whole uh, kind of idea and concept that I want us to think about today is sowing and reaping bountifully, sowing and reaping bountifully. Um, so if you have your Bibles, if you turn them with me to 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, and this is kind of going to be our, our verse for this week, uh, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, and then next week we're going to actually look at 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, but don't look at verse 7 yet. We'll get there next week, okay? Uh, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6 reads this. The point is this, Paul writes, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
And so this morning, what we want to do is we want to look at this idea of sowing and reaping bountifully. And it brings that whole idea and that concept of, of um, you reap what you sow, right? How many of you have ever heard that saying before? You reap what you sow, all right? I was told that as a teenager, you're going to reap what you sow. And, uh, and we see that really a concept that is biblical here, um, and we see it here. But I also want to encourage you, if you would, just flip a couple pages to Galatians, we're at the end of 2 Corinthians. If you just flip to the next book, that's the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For, whoever, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And so that's what we want to look at this morning. Um, just a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, uh, we were looking at the elements. That's what our, our sermon series was about, the elements, and it was about the fruit of the Spirit. And what's interesting here that as Paul is finishing up his letter to, to the, the, the church there in Galatia, um, he says this, listen, you're going to reap what you sow. And he had just talked about the fruit of the Spirit and living out the fruit. And so you, are you going to reap that fruit? Are you going to live out that fruit? which is really kind of a, a cool idea. Again, once again, seeing how God has orchestrated and put together the Bible. Here's a question as we begin this morning. What's in your garden of life? What's in your garden of life? So I grew up, many of you know, but I grew up uh, being out in the country and we had a huge garden. And the garden, our garden was bigger than this room. And uh, we, we, we had responsibilities, and we learned at a very early age, uh, my brothers and I, what it meant to have a big garden. And it was, it was a lot of fun, but when you're little, it wasn't a lot of fun um, because there came with that garden a lot of responsibility. And so when you think about your life, I want you to think about it in this, this idea this morning of a garden, okay? And your life is a garden and I want, I want you to ask yourself, what's growing in your garden? What's in your garden of life? Um, part of that is what's being planted. What are you allowing to come into it? Uh, I have countless stories. I was trying to whittle them down to figure out which stories I was going to share uh, about the garden. Uh, I just know that every May, at the end of May, we would, we would have to be ready to plant. And so while all my buddies were out playing baseball, um, we, were, we were planting the garden. And there was responsibility that we had in order to, um, to get the things done. We marked it out, marked the corners for the guy down the road, the farmer who brought his tractor and plow, and he would come and plow it. It would sit for a couple weeks, and then they would disc it, and then we would till it with our rototiller. And that was all in preparation before we even planted anything. And then as we started to lay out, mom was the great organizer, and so she would lay out row by row of what, uh, what was going to go into those rows. And so there was a rotation of crops, and so we never put the corn in the same place again. We never put the potatoes, and we never put the pumpkins in all the same places. Some of the other things could be there, but those were the main ones that needed to rotate as we got ready to plant each year. And usually when we went out to plant, it was a very hot day. And so when you think about, you know, a six, seven, eight-year-old boy, 
it, it was, it, I was so eager to go out there in the heat and to take these little things and to put them in the ground and to be so exact, I couldn't just throw them. Uh, no, they had to be in every row. I remember the potatoes. So we would, we would take our old potatoes, and after we had eaten a lot of them for over the course of the winter uh, and the spring, what was left over, we would take and we would cut them. We would cut them in half or sometimes in quarters. And as we cut them, um, we, would, we would prepare them and get them ready, and then we would go to plant them. And as we planted them, we would put two or three. But see, here's the thing with potatoes. You can't just throw them in there. There's little things that start growing out of them, all right? And so you have to put the cut part down in the ground, all right? And so you put those down, but dad said, I don't want you just to lay them there. I want you to push them into the ground. So what do I do? They're supposed to be a foot apart, but I remember my feet being so small, dad saying, do two feet. So I would do two feet and put two two potato things down, and then I would step on it. And I got like halfway through a row, and dad's like, no, no, no. Because what I had done is I had broken off the very, the very seed things that were growing out, the eyes that were starting to grow. He's like, no, you can't smush them down. You didn't know you were going to come to church and get gardening tips. <clears throat> Just as those potatoes, it was important, so there was other preparations too. We had to soak our corn in, in water the night before. And so we would make sure we soak our corn and our beans so that they would begin to germinate so that they, when we got them in the ground, they would already start planting. Pumpkins, gourds, all those things, they had to be in a hill. They couldn't be just in a row. You had to pull some dirt up so that they, their roots could, would be able to absorb the nutrients. So you pull up a hill and then you put two or three not four or five seeds, because that would be too many, but two or three seeds, and then you move to the next. There was such a system in place in order for the garden to reap the harvest that we wanted it to do at the end of the summer and in the fall. See, planting was just part of it, though. That wasn't everything. There was also the weeding that was probably my least favorite. As I got older, I loved planting. I hated weeding because you, you have this, it was so beautiful. When you're done planting, you can't see a lot of it, but you know you put a lot of sweat and a lot of time and effort into that day. And you're just looking at it and you're like, this is sweet. I can't wait to see what's going to grow. But a few weeks later, as stuff starts growing, and the hardest part were the little things like carrots and radishes and all those because they come up and as you plant them in a row, um, they're not spaced out and weeds just come right in them. And you have to be so delicate because as you're pulling weeds, you can pull the plant out too. But if you let those weeds stay there, the carrots and the beets, the lettuce, they don't get the, nour the nourishment that they need, the nutrients that they need. So you have to come along and you have to... You have to pull weeds. And then dad would ro run the rototiller down the middle, cut up the weeds, stir up the dirt. He would throw fertilizer in. I thought you just, if we really wanted to have a good harvest, you just throw fertilizer on the plant. Why throw it in the middle? It's not even getting to the plant, right? No, it burns the plant. 
it actually eats at the plant. And so it does it, it's actually a disservice to what you want in your harvest. Maybe I should have wrote down more of what I should not have said and what I should have. All this to say, it takes a lot of work. And, and, and in order to have a harvest to reap, you have to sow a lot. And it isn't just one time. And that's the truth in our life. As we look at, at joyful generosity, it isn't just one day. It's not just one week. And it's not even just one year. It is a life of continuing to sow and continuing to sow when it becomes tiresome and burdensome and, and when you don't feel like it and when you don't have what you think that you need in order to do what God is asking you to do. And over and over there's challenges and there's struggles and, and yet we see this concept of, of sowing and reaping bountifully. It's a beautiful picture that God gives us as followers of Jesus. And I think it's critical as we live our lives. And probably the earlier that we can grasp hold of this concept, the more fruitful our lives can be. And yet when we look at this, uh, one of the things that I'm going to touch on is, is God's unmatched mercy and grace, even when we are poor sowers. I don't know about you, but I can look at times in my life that I look back and I'm like, that was just the grace of God. That was God's mercy because I didn't deserve that. Where God, even though I was sowing poorly, he allowed me to reap some blessings. I think we would all agree that there's times in our life that we have experienced that. And so while it's not a hard and fast rule of what we sow is what we're going to reap, yes, that is true. It does not supersede God's grace and his mercy because God is over all. He is in charge of all. He is sovereign over all. But as we look at our life and the principles of living, this is important for us. And so I ask you, not only what is in your garden, what are you growing? What is growing in your, your life? One of the ideas and the thoughts that, that I want to challenge you with is uh, I think we're good sometimes as followers of Christ of talking the right talk. We're good talkers, but our actions don't follow what we want in our mind or our heart or what we're saying. And it can, it can be like, okay, yes, Mom, I'm going to go out and, and I'm going to pull weeds in my rows because we were given rows to do every summer. And so every day we had a responsibility. We had five rows that each of my brothers and I had to do. And so it could be, hey, Mom, I'll get to it. I know it. Thank you for the reminder. I'll get there. And over and over until 425 happens and Dad's going to be pulling into the driveway at 430 like clockwork. He's never late. If he was late, there was car trouble. And so now my words were saying was different than really how I was acting. And so when we look at our lives and when we think about this idea of joyful generosity, we cannot just allow it to be words. It must be action too. Let's look at a couple other verses. I'll show them up on the screen here. Uh, you can also follow along if you have in your Bible. But let's look at John 4. John chapter 4, verse 31 through 38. And then I'll give you um, three 
principles that I think as a result of sowing bountifully what we can reap bountifully um, at the end here. But John chapter 4, verses 31 through 38. And as Jesus, he's, he's sharing about uh, with a Samaritan woman. He has come and met with her at the well. She has... Um, he has revealed who he is to her. She has just gone back to the city to get all of her friends and family to come for them to come see Jesus. Jesus is there and his disciples come back and he's talking to them now as they're waiting for uh, the people of, of Samaria who are going to come back with this woman at the well. So we pick it up in verse 31. It says, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. What Jesus is calling their attention to is not this view of earthly food, he's drawing their attention to something greater, a hunger that we each have inside of us. And, it, and it's a focus. It's a singular focus where he is drawing them to look at the harvest that's amongst them. Look at the people, he is saying. They would get this concept as, as you imagine, as you see these people from Samaria who are walking to the well, who are now coming back with this woman who Jesus has had an extraordinary encounter with. And as they're coming, he, I, I, you could just see it. Here he is saying to his disciples, it's not about the food. I'm okay because I'm all about doing what the, what the Father has me here to do. That's what I'm eating up. And listen, you get to be a part of this. Look at the harvest. Look at all these lives that are just ready to hear the truth. What an awesome concept. The harvest is great. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. This is a great encouragement to us as we think about the rougher times of life. Okay, yeah, the harvest is great. Yes, there's a lot of people who need to see Jesus. Yes, we get to see lives transformed because of what Jesus does. But the psalmist also gives us great encouragement here that even in the struggles and even the trials, God can bring blessing. So Psalm 126, verses 5 and, six, 5 and 6 says this, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. 
Isn't it awesome to know only God could do this, right? Only God could take our tears and to turn them into joy. Only God could take something that could be tragic and something wrong and something difficult, our greatest challenges and our greatest struggles in life, and only God could take our tears and to turn them to joy. Isn't that awesome? There's another psalm where, where the psalmist is writing, David, and he's saying that uh, how God collects every tear of ours and it goes not to waste. I don't want to pull the fleece over your eyes to make you think that, that sowing and reaping is just this always joyous time. It's a challenge and it's a struggle. But as we walk through the struggles of sowing, let me encourage you that even in our tears, as we're sowing tears, pleading that God would intervene in people's lives, in loved ones, in the challenges that we may face, even as we're pouring our hearts out and our hearts are broken, that God can take those tears of sorrow and he can turn those into reaping of great joy. Again, something you and I, we can't do, but our God can as we trust him and follow him. When we look at uh, this idea of sowing and reaping, um, jumping back to our passage there in 2 Corinthians 9, uh, Paul is writing to them, encouraging them, and telling them, hey, listen, if you are going to sow sparingly, you are going to reap sparingly. But if you sow um, bountifully, then you are going to also reap bountifully. That Greek word for sparingly, sparingly means to be limited. You're limiting what you're giving. And, and, and this goes more than just finances. We're going to talk about finances one week here to come. It's more than just our treasure. It's also our time. It's our talents. It, it, it's it's the, the truth that we know that we get to share. It's every aspect of our life. And it's this concept that if I hold my hand open, it, it gives God the freedom to be able to put in and to take away. But if I hold tight, what can I give away? And what am I allowing God to put in? And so we see this idea that, that again, Paul is writing to the church here in Corinth and saying, listen, I want to encourage you as you think about giving. And we're going to look at a passage earlier in this and how the church in Macedonia has freely given. And he uses them as, as an example. He says, I want to encourage you as you give of your monies to the church that's in Jerusalem, the, the needs and the struggles of the believers at that time that were really struggling in Jerusalem. He says, if you give, I want you to know if you give bountifully, if you sow bountifully, you are going to reap bountifully. This morning, this is not a health and wealth gospel. I'm not going to tell you that, if all, hey, if you just give all your money to the church or all your money to God, then he's going to give you tenfold. That isn't the way it works, at least not my God and the Bible that I read, okay? I do believe that we have a big God, though, and I think he can do extraordinarily extravagant, great, and awesome things. I expected a little bit more from you. This is a new year, and I know you may be sleeping at this point after the great farming uh, analogies, but 
My God is a great God. Thank you. And he can do more than I can begin to even imagine. And so I don't want to limit him. But I also must realize that he has a will and his way is what's best. And so while I may desire in my sowing bountifully to reap bountifully, I have an idea and a concept of what that looks like, right? Oh, if I give this much, then I'm going to get this much. That's not how it works because sometimes our perspectives aren't God's perspectives, the word says his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so for us, as we spend more time in the presence of God and we get filled up in our joy, we begin to see what he's working and how he's working and what he's doing. We see that sometimes he's working in ways that I wouldn't be able to understand. And so I must be careful when I think of this concept of sowing and reaping because he has a huge plan. And I am limited in what I can see and how I can think. And I'm limited in my time and my energy and my effort. Think about this. God is not limited in time. Think about what that means. We think so much about time. Some of you are thinking about that now. We think about time all the time. We think about our age. You think about how many more years do I have or how much time do I have with this child in my home or, or what's going on later this week or what's going to happen this year. We're so defined by time, but God is not defined by time. He's that big. Man, that's an awesome God, isn't it? And that's just one element when we think about the, the sowing and the reaping, let alone all the, 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 the things that are at his hands. I love the one song that we used to sing when I was a kid. He owns a thousand cattle on the hill. And I had a dear friend of mine and he's like, yep, if we have a need, then he'll just slaughter one of those cows. He'll cash it in for us. Our God is that big and he is that mighty. And yet we in our humanness, and I'll even say this, me and my selfishness, I sometimes hold so tightly what is not really mine to hold. Paul is saying, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's a truth that is so rich for our lives. So what does it mean to sow bountifully? Is that 10%? Is that two hours of my time instead of one hour of my time? I want us to be careful not to come up with a list of things where we're going to all of a sudden compare and say, oh, well, I'm doing this now and I was doing this before, so that means I'm sowing more now. Let me encourage you once again that as we walk the face of this earth, that our lives as we live them is all about a relationship. It's about a relationship with the true and living God. And the most important thing that you can do is that you can sow into that relationship, that you can spend time with him, 
that you can set time and priority aside to be with him. And as he leads us and guides us, here's the principles that I think flow out of that. So, how do we reap bountifully? I think it comes as a result of sowing this. Sowing of biblical insight, values, commitments, and a spirit-filled life. Let me show you this example in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in verses 1 through 8, Paul writes this. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given amongst the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on our part. Now let me just pause there for a second. This contrast there. What Paul is saying, he's saying, listen, there's abundance of joy, there's extreme poverty, there's a wealth of generosity. So when you think about it, life isn't just really, really comfortable for them. Life is challenging. For they gave, verse 3, they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he has had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. The beauty of this text is so rich. What we see here is that as a result of biblical insight... As the people of Macedonia grew in their understanding of who God was and the truths of who he was, they began to understand how they should live out their lives and the values that God was calling them to live. And as they lived out those values, there was a commitment, a commitment to not only themselves, but to other brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. And so God, as he was leading in them in, their, in a spirit-filled way, as God was walking in them, God was urging them to give. To give beyond their own means. What's awesome is we see that they first gave to who? Verse 5 says they gave themselves first to the Lord. That's where it begins for us. That's why I encourage you and challenge you that we first must start sowing in our relationship with Jesus. Because if everything else happens and we don't have that right, then it's just a bunch of works. And works without faith is dead. Just as faith without works is dead. Works without faith mean nothing. Can God still use them? Of course he can because he's sovereign. Because he's that good. But yet in the beauty of this, we see the people of Macedonia first giving themselves to God and then to others. That's where it begins. That's the challenge that we each must start with as we see 
What does it mean to sow richly and bountifully? The result of that sowing will be this, that we have a result of living biblical value. We, we live in such a way that our commitments are real and we allow the spirit of God to flow out of us, to lead us, to guide us. This isn't just a feeling. This is the spirit of God that we're asking and begging him. Show me what you want, God. A second result is this. As we um, sow bountifully in our relationship, in our walk with Jesus, uh, we will have as a result of faith. We'll have faith. Faith that is single-minded. A single-minded devotion. Because if you're anything like me, you're kind of like that movie Up where the little dog goes around and all of a sudden there's a squirrel and he gets sidetracked. You're like, squirrel? We, 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 we so easily can become uh, focused on something that really isn't that important, but we like that. And, or, man, that looks good. Or, hey, I forgot. Why am I here again in this store? Like, you forget. Lene and I had some great conversations while she was home at break about all of this. She's like, Dad, I think I'm ADHD. And by the way, I think you are too. And we had some great conversations about that because it's so easy for us to become distracted. And that's where, uh, where Matthew writes for us as Jesus is sharing in, uh, in the very beginning of his ministries uh, the, at the Sermon of the Mount. Um, in Matthew 6, verse 24. He says this, no one can serve two masters for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In Jesus' early teachings, he shares with us, you can't have it both ways. And so as we seek to sow bountifully, what we sow must result in a single devotion. We're going to reap bountifully as we sow that commitment, that desire where later Matthew writes, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. It's all about Jesus and I know it sounds so simple, and yet it's so difficult to live out because we do. We become uh, disenchanted or we become distracted or sometimes we get weary. The third and final aspect of sowing bountifully and then reaping bountifully, it's a result of trust. If we want to to reap bountifully it's going to be because it's going to be because we trust not because we're overly cautious meaning this risk is going to be involved as we sow and as we reap you think about this when a when a farmer goes out to plant now thankfully our lives and our little garden didn't matter we could still get food other ways but as you think about these big farms, as they go out to plant, 
acres and acres and acres of soybeans and corn and wheat, their, their, their livelihoods are hinged upon that. They're taking a risk. Every time they take that seed and they go out and they say, today I'm going to sow the seed. It's risky business. If they don't do it, they won't have a harvest. If they do do it, there's no guarantee that they're going to get the rain that they need when they need it. And it's going to be dry enough and it's going to have enough sun and it's going to be warm enough. And all these things that are contingent, that are out of their control in order to have the harvest that they need. This runs all throughout the Old Testament when we see God dealing with Israel. We, when we live our lives so often, because we're not necessarily farmers, because our livelihoods are, are not done in the same way, and that's not a bad thing, it's just how we live today. But we aren't as dependent, we're not as trusting and reliant upon God like they were before. And so I caution us to be careful as we live our lives. When we sow, it at times it will be risky. It will be challenging and it will be hard. It will cost you something. And sometimes you may not reap what you think you deserve. But let me encourage you. Part of the beauty of sowing and walking with Jesus as we live our lives in such a way and make the choices and the decisions and trusting and faith, allowing those biblical principles to take root in our mind and our heart. As we trust God with that risk, he has something beautifully planned. So we come to the end of week one, sowing and reaping bountifully what is in your garden what are you spending your time on as you go throughout your week this week I want you to think about as you spend your time your talents your treasure and the truth that God's given you in your life think about what you're putting into your garden what are you planting what are you nurturing what are you allowing to come in? I didn't even talk about the pests that came into our garden and the rabbits, especially. They are furry, nice things, but they eat your food. I got more stories for another time. What are you allowing to come into your garden? That while on first view, they're not bad. They're furry, cute little creatures. But at the same time, they're eating and attacking what you want to reap and what God wants to do through you. Hopefully some challenges and some encouragement for you that we would live our lives in a way that we would sow bountifully through our time, our talents, our treasures, and our truth. Think about this as we close. Do you think that God, our God, is a God who loves to give?
isn't it in his nature to be a God who gives? May that be an encouragement to us as we think about what it means to sow and to reap. We have an awesome God who is very generous. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to open up your word. I pray that you would take these truths and help us to live them out in a very practical way, Lord, that we may sow bountifully and that we would reap bountifully. Lord, we know that you give the increase. Lord, it is you who's in charge of giving and sending the rain and the sun. You allow the plants to grow. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would, you would do a great thing in our minds and our hearts this year. Lord, that, that we would be purposeful in, in pursuing a closer walk with you, not just saying it with our words, but in our actions. Being diligent to set time aside as we spend time individually, but also together. Helping encourage each other, helping continue to uh, hold one another accountable. That our lives would be one that would reflect as a true follower of Jesus. Joyous generosity, Lord. I pray that our lives would reflect that and that we would begin to see that played out even this day and this week. And we pray this in the name of Jesus.